We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Most Tuesdays are just Tuesdays, except at Buffalo Wild Wings, where Tuesdays are Wing Tuesdays. But now even Wing Tuesdays aren't just Wing Tuesdays, because Wing Tuesdays are half-price Wing Tuesdays, which means your boring Tuesday that became Wing Tuesday now costs you half as much. In case you're confused, we have half-price Wing Tuesdays. We do it for you. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings, beer, sports. Prices and participation vary. See participating locations for details. Void were prohibited. Welcome to the Rotowire NBA podcast. It is Wednesday, November 2nd. Nick Whalen here with Rotowire's own DJ Trainer. Uh, we were initially hoped to be joined by Anthony Chang of the Palm Beach Post to talk some Miami Heat. Anthony, unfortunately, uh, had to cancel on us. Uh, we hope to reschedule pretty soon. There's a plumbing emergency uh, at the Chang household. We're, ha- um, we're uh, hanging them out to dry. No, not he at canceled all. on us. Well, he did, yeah, but in like a nice way, you know, no hard feelings there. So hopefully, uh, hopefully we get to talk to Anthony, uh, you know, maybe later this month sometime. Um, but anyway, we'll be talking about some of our leagues. We'll talk about the the early waivers uh, in the first week of the season and just some general happenings around the NBA. But no, the, the reason that I, I kind of drag Anthony through the mud in, in jest is because I, I had this whole stable of like Hassan Whiteside questions that yes. I wanted to ask. Like as much as I am interested to see 
what he has to say as an as an insider with the Miami Heat. Like the only thing that I really, really was excited about for this interview was I was just gonna ask him like here, go. Like give us like ten minutes on all the crazy stuff that Hassan Whiteside probably does that no one gets to see. Yeah, I, I too am interested in that. We'll have him on at some point yeah. this season. Ideally, it'll be sometime within the next month, but we'll get him on. I, he's a, we're only adding more time for there to be more crazy Hassan Whiteside stories. So I, we're right, we're all going to end up for the better in the end. Yeah, that's a, you're, you're absolutely right. I didn't think about it that way. More time to <laughs> accumulate more Hassan Whiteside stories. Um, but let's talk about our, our staff keeper league, the Rotowire SKBL, as it's known. Uh, this is my first year in the league. I was beyond honored uh, to join this year, taking over a team. Uh, things are looking great for, for old Nick right now, though. Uh, early in the season, I'm uh, you know dealing with an injury to Reggie Jackson, who's probably one of my top three or four players. Carl Towns, um, you know, who everyone's expecting big things out of, really hasn't been all that great. Uh, thus far as the the Timberwolves are one and two when he's played well he hasn't been bad but uh, I I think the numbers that Anthony Davis is putting up are kind of what people expected from Towns and you know I mean Davis's numbers have been off the charts ridiculous and it's unrealistic for those to continue or, or for anyone to really expect Towns to do that but I think relative to expectations he's been a little bit disappointing overall. I'm going to get to Towns in a second, but we need to talk about your team name. It's weak. It's Team Waylon. I mean, yeah, this is hey, this is a league where everybody gets into it traditionally. We've got some great names. I'm the banana the banana boats. Come on, I got a nice okay. picture of yeah. uh, you know, the banana boat talk crew. About cliche. Uh putting the Hazonia, Her- putting the Hurt Anya Hazonia. Uh, Shanky okay, Sharp. See, like the fact that you have to like explain the name, yeah. that means it's not a good name. Anyway, regardless, you need to Shanky get your name in order. I mean, how do you expect Carl Anthony Towns to perform if he's not even on a team that has the a name? Only, the only really good name in this league, in my opinion, is James, who has Nash rules everything around me. You know, I think we're all competing to kind of knock him off the top spot right now when it comes to names. But no, I mean, now that you called me out, I'll I'll think about it. Team Whale, you're right. That's that's. I have the worst name in the league. That's uh, true. Just because of, there's no creativity whatsoever. Um, All right. Now that we've got that settled, I'll I'll validate your your talk about Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, I mean, I said about it. I said this on Monday's podcast, Nick, and I've been saying it quite a bit. The expectations were too high for this Timberwolves team as a whole. Um, You were drafting Carl Anthony Towns within the first two rounds. Was he? You know, does he have a ceiling for that? Sure, of course he does, because he can help you out with three-pointers, blocks, and steals. And most of the time, people overlook those three categories um, when you're looking at big men. But he does a good job of that. Have we seen that out of him? Not quite enough. Uh, now, the price that you have him at is, is still very good. You have him for, uh, let's see, you're going to have to remind Oh, $24 in a $160 league. That's pretty good considering it's a keeper league. Um, so you still have value there, but... Timberwolves are off to a slow start. He's off to a slow start. But here's the thing. In terms of what they did last year, they're still making strides of improvement. And so that's the important thing here is that everybody else projected too much onto them. They are just fine. And what they're doing right now is on track to being a really good team within Mm -hmm. the next few years. The problem is not them. The problem is that everybody thought they were going to be better when... They just weren't. You you can't jump a team ahead three years overnight in in one off season. Yeah, I mean they're they're one and two. They're fine. It's still early. They one of their losses. I mean they lost on opening night a week ago uh, in Memphis. Uh, they come back and beat the Grizzlies by thirty six last night. So uh, I mean that that's obviously a that great Grizzlies way to get your first teams win. Were, that Grizzly team rested players. Sure. I mean that that sh- that should have happened. 
Yeah, Deontay Davis looked good in that game, sidebar. I mean, a guy who I thought was going to spend most of the year in the D-League and, and still could see some time there, 17-6 and six and 26 minutes for him. Uh, but but the thing with Towns, like, and this wasn't the case last night, he, he did have 11 points, 10 rebounds. Like The rebounding numbers were really, really shallow the first two games. Um, I do think maybe that this this Wolves team has like has too much talent where Towns doesn't have to do Davis things like part of the reason a big part of the reason that Davis has put up the numbers that he has so far is because he's playing with Solomon Hill and Tim Frazier and Omar Ashik like Towns has Wiggins Gorgie Jang who's been really good thus far uh you know Chris Dunn slash Ricky Rubio like Zach Levine who's averaging close to 25 points a game through three games like he's not necessarily asked to take 26 shots he took 10 shots and scored 11 points on those 10 shots last night uh and as long as the Timberwolves are winning games Carl Towns isn't the type of guy I don't think that is going to to gripe about not getting his kind of volume I yeah and I totally agree and that's a sign of a good team that they can spread it out and and if they've got a good matchup in one area of the court then they'll go to it for that particular night we're going to see that at some point in the season where it's going to make sense to rely on Carl Anthony Towns but they have a you know a well spread out well thought out team and people were kind of like saying you know Gorgie Jang who is this guy he got the his uh rookie extension uh, pretty good good bargain and everybody's been saying like who is this guy you know you, you've got quite a few good players um, and my retort to all these people who are a little concerned about having Gorgie Jang in this lineup of you know these really good young and up-and-coming guys is you don't need five potent scorers in your starting lineup you need a couple glue guys Gorgie Jang is a glue guy but what he's proven is that he can actually go to work and score as well so when you've got you know not m- too many teams have two really good low post defenders on the court at the same time and so when you have Jang and Carl Anthony Towns, most of the time the worst defender on the opposing team out of those two is going to go to Jang, and that's why he's been able to work so far this season. Mm-hmm. So I'm not concerned on the whole because my expectations were a lot lower than other people. But again, if we're going to bring this back to the Staff Keeper League, having him for $24, most importantly having him for the next couple of years on your team because mm-hmm. it's not a true Keeper League Um we do a contract system, um, you're still getting good value there, and it's still a very good buy right. for you. And yeah, and I think you kind of look at this production through three games as the absolute baseline for Carl Towns. Like, if he, you know, if everything, you know, goes wrong relative to expectations and, you know, Towns finishes the year, uh, you know, averaging 16, 7, 4 assists, which is great for a forward slash center, uh, more than a steal a game, a block per game, and he shoots, you know, 50% from the field like that's still not a horrible second year and I think he has nowhere to go really but up uh but what I mean what do you make of this start for Zach Levine he's looked awesome and I gotta give props to James who kind of has been calling this for months um and again you know we do want to stress that it is early in the season but we got to talk about something on the pod uh 24 points per game two assists almost five rebounds shooting the ball really efficiently uh you know kind of making it look like last season's uh you know major strides from beyond the arc weren't a fluke um, I mean, Levine has been the T-Wolves' best player, really, through these first three games. Yeah, it's it's great. Obviously, he's known in the league for dunking, and I'm glad that he's able to go away from that and show that he can score. Now, my only issue is they've only played three games, and two of those three games have come from the same team. So, obviously, Levine uh, owns the Grizzlies, and so he did that on t- October 26th. He did that on November 1st. And then the other team in that mix is Sacramento, and we know that Sacramento you know, is not going to be a good defensive team. Aaron Aflalo, Ty Lawson were, on, were guarding Levine at portions during that game, and so that's going to be a good matchup for him. So, yes, he's very good. Uh, I mean, he has to be the leading scorer for that team right yes. now, probably the best player for them so far, like you, like you suggested, Nick. 
but they've only played two teams, three games. Yes, I'll wait until we see some other quality defenders. I mm. am a little surprised that Memphis didn't shut him down a little bit more. He shot 50% from the field. Um, or he's just so athletic. It's crazy. Like he, and he's not just a dunker. Like you said, like he's found ways to use that athleticism to do more than just jump really high at the rim. Yeah, exactly. I got my numbers wrong there. So, so don't Mm -hmm. take those numbers. I said, but you're right. I mean, he's using that athleticism to do other things, not just actually attack the rim. So, Mm -hmm. uh, he's great. He's he's really good. The wolves have some nice matchups coming up and we touched on this, I think on the last pod, you know, when we were, you know, dissecting their 0-2 start. I mean, they're home home to Denver on Thursday. That's a very winnable game. Uh, that'll be a really fun game to watch, actually, uh, if we can get League Pass working, which has not been ideal for, for not just us, but a lot of people. Um, at OKC on Saturday, another really fun game. Uh, and then they're at Brooklyn and at Orlando. Um, Orlando probably should be winless right now. I don't know how they won against Philly uh, last night. Uh, so I mean, Timberwolves could could very easily rattle off you know four wins in five games here, uh, and you know the story of that start is is pretty much flipped. Uh, and after the Orlando game, that's a week from today, four straight home games against the Clippers, Lakers, Hornets, and 76ers. So I mean, this is a a nice and a very favorable stretch, I guess, uh, through early November for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, but I mean, anything else you want to note in this in this staff keeper league while we're kind of on this topic? Yeah, definitely. I, I think. Um Poignantly, you have Ursan Ilyasova on this team. I do. You have him for $1, as, as cheap as you're really going to get him. Um, obviously being traded to Philadelphia initially, and we were talking about this yesterday here in the office, that I, you know, I said, oh, are they just going to waive him right away? And it seemed like maybe they were going to do that for about five minutes until Brett Brown came out and said maybe he's going to start, which I think is absolutely ludicrous considering the front court, the young front court that they already have trouble finding minutes for to begin with. But you have Urson on your team in the Staff Keeper League. How are you viewing this situation as somebody who literally has yeah. a vested interest in what Urson does moving forward with Philadelphia? Yeah, I hope you don't mean just in fantasy. I mean, as a person, I've had a vested interest in Ersan Ilyasova's well-being for close to a decade now. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, how? First of all, I hope a lot of people bought Ersan Thunder jerseys because those are those are going to be close to in the category of a Rashid Hawks jersey. Um, obviously, I mean, you're never going to top you're never going to top a Rashid Wallace Hawks jersey for people that are into the jersey game as I am, like. That's the holy grail of jerseys. Like you just can't beat that. But this is going to be close. You know that Ilyasova was the first NBA player I ever met. Really? Yeah, I believe. And unless I'm getting my European power I mean, forward all stars but... mixed around, he played for the Tulsa 66ers back in the day. Sure. Saw him at an elephant bar restaurant in Tulsa on Memorial Street, and went up to him and said, "Hey, man, how's it going? You play for the Sixers?" Blah blah blah. And he said. Just, just gave me a nice little wave. 66 or sorry. Oh, 60. Right. 66. Well, no, the real Sixers. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, his return to Oklahoma was, yeah. you know, I mean, it was huge. It was a massive homecoming. The fact that he left, it's, it's the really a shame. The parade was excellent. Yeah. yeah the, parade, the parade was great. Um, but you're right. Uh, that's that's going to be a, a jersey that will live yeah. in folklore forever. Right. Yeah. So, Ursan now is on, what, his, he played for Orlando. He played for, well, did he ever play for Orlando? I, I'm I struggling we, like, to bring up his page here. You, you can, can probably hear, hear the typing. typing yeah. um, so, I mean, he's just, he's like kind of become a journeyman all of a sudden. I mean, he was the longest tenured Milwaukee Buck, you know, at like two seasons ago. And all of a sudden, yeah, Detroit, Orlando, OKC, and now he'll probably play his first game for Philly. It sounds like on Saturday they play tonight. Uh, but Ursan, you know, still in the transition process of, of moving all of his, you know, valuable artifacts, I'm sure, from his home in Oklahoma uh, across the country. So, yeah, I mean, 
from a fantasy perspective, I think this is a good move for Ilya So. I mean, it's not like he's stepping into a situation where he was playing five minutes and now he's going to be playing 30 minutes, but he's in a system where he offers something that really no one else in that Philadelphia front court does right now. I mean, I know Joel Embiid can shoot threes. Uh, you know, we know Dario Saric is kind of that similar type of player, but I mean, Brown said there's a chance that Ursan starts at power forward for this team. I don't know how much I like that. You know, maybe I would kind of like to see them go Ursan and Saric, you know, maybe move Saric down to the three where, where ham sandwich Covington has been really struggling so far. Um, but, you know, I think it's, if anything, it's a good move for Ursan. He's now like the veteran presence on the Sixers team. I think that kind of brings some clout with it. And it is an odd move for OKC, though, because, you know, the, the Sixers don't have a ton of shooters in the front court. But now without Ursan, neither does OKC. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, in the preseason, coaches are always, you know, they always say, Every position is up for battle, right? And so, like, everybody can win a starting job. We're starting from Always. scratch. Nobody has, nobody's entitled to anything. And when you bring on somebody mid-season, I think you need to, like, redo that, essentially, to, to give your new guys a fair shake and reassess things. I think this is more a boat of confidence for bringing in a new guy and saying, hey, man, we're not writing you off by any means. So, you know, come in here, earn your job. Do I think he's going to start? I guess it's possible the Sixers have done a lot of crazy things and most importantly the season doesn't really matter so they can do whatever they want and it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things you're right that he offers some them something that they don't necessarily have but for me the Sixers team is still very much wrapped up in the process um I think that it just makes sense you need to get Sarich you need to get Okafor you need to get those young guys on the court for as long as possible um, and so, no, I don't think they should play Ilyasova. You have him for a buck on your team. I think at some point very soon, Nick, you're going to move him to reserves, and at some point you might even drop him um, come later mm-hmm. on this season. Yeah, I mean, for sentimental reasons, I probably will never drop him. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, the value, I think, is only so high. I mean, like you said, Philly shouldn't necessarily be invested in playing you know, 29-year-olds with very limited upside. Uh, sorry, Ersan. Um, you know, this is still a team that's growing, but I think they are kind of, this is the year where they're caught between certainly not contending, but I don't think they necessarily want to bottom out this year. You know, this is the first full year that they've, you know, been away from Sam Hinkie. I I think they would like to be competitive or more competitive than they have been. And, and I think Ursan probably helps them do that even if it's only by you know a minor margin. That's fair. I, I think you do need to start taking steps in the right direction. They've said that, but the players and the coaches have been saying that for the last few years, that they're, that they're right. contending. I mean, well, ideally, no. I, ideally with, with this group of front court that you have, in two or three years, you could add a legitimate point guard or shooting guard from the market and then say, wow, this team could start contending right. well, for the Well, the guards team. are, yeah. I and mean, once you get Simmons back, that all changes. But yeah, the guard situation right uh, but, in Philly right now is not great. But right, once they come close to knocking on the door in a couple of years, they might just be a Jeff Teague away from being a seven or eight seed in the East. It's, it's not that far off. We're a yeah. couple of years off. Back to the more important topic before we move off Urson. He played for the Tulsa 66ers 25, or 2005 2000 and that's back when the D-League they put their affiliates of the team like I don't think the Sixers weren't owned by anybody so each player on the team had the moniker of the NBA team they were associated with so the best jersey out there for me personally growing up in Tulsa would be an Ursan Ilyasova jersey Tulsa 66ers with the little Bucks logo on the back on the neck that would be awesome 
can you buy D League jerseys anywhere? Like that's I something I have actually looked for. Sadly enough, um, I've been to like you know the flagship NBA store a, a couple times in in New York, and I thought like I mean they have like every jersey there. You can you can literally go up to the this little booth that they have in the store and they'll customize whatever you want on a jersey. But they only have NBA jerseys. Like they have WNBA jerseys. Um, I just yeah I don't know. I've never seen any kind of D-League jersey outside of a D-League game. I don't think Ilyasova has a Tulsa 66ers Ilyasova jersey. and I don't I, think he does either. Yeah, I've been to the NBA store too. They got every jersey there. I've ne- I didn't see any D-League stuff. I saw yeah. a lot of LeBron James Miami Heat stuff on mm-hmm. clearance when I was there a couple years yeah. ago, but no, I, uh, no D-League stuff. I think I told this on one of the podcasts a while back, but I asked the the worker who was behind the little jersey customization booth, I was like, hey, like, you know, what's the most popular jersey you have here? And he, he said, he's like, yeah, Przingis or Prigioni, which, you know, being in downtown New York makes sense. And I asked him, like, do you have any, like, really weird requests that you get? And he's like, nothing, like, too crazy. You know, I'd, he actually apologized. Like, I'm really sorry. I wish I had something better for you. But he's like, <laughs> it's like, one weird thing is that a lot of people come in and it doesn't matter what team, they just want a jersey that says like I love blank or like usually a player so he's like somebody will come in and ask for a Cavaliers jersey that says I love LeBron James on it and he's like so it stretches like halfway around the back of the jersey <laughs> in like a weird semicircle. and he's like I kind of give him this look like you really want this and that's that's what he said so I've never seen one of those jerseys thankfully all right. Well, for are you Chris- going to be getting an I love Ursan Ilyasova? Well, jersey? for Christmas, I actually, that's I was at the NBA store and I got you an I love LeBron James jersey. So really? uh, I, I wish, I, yeah, I wish. When's the last time you were at the NBA store? Years in advance, you bought them? I think I was there a year or two ago, <laughs> okay. probably. Yeah. Nice. A fun store. Uh, a little bit, a little bit overpriced, but still very fun store. Um, going back to the T Wolves real quickly, Chris Dunn, kind of the guy to own at least temporarily, while Ricky Rubio is out indefinitely. Uh, with an elbow issue, Dunn looked pretty good against Memphis last night. And again, you know, Memphis did rest Gasol. They did rest Conley uh, in this game. So you got to take that with maybe a little bit of a grain of salt, especially with you know, as good of a defender as Conley is. But 29 minutes for Dunn, 10 points, 6 assists, 4 rebounds, 5 steals. The steals there, obviously, right. is pretty great. And the fact that he did, he was on the court for 29 minutes and only turned the ball over three times. I mean, that's better than r- what Rookie Rubio does. I mean, we're all looking, and me, I'm hoping that at some point they, they move on from Rookie Rubio. Obviously, is he, he's a lot younger than you think he is, um, Rubio, that is. Um, I think he's 45 years old. Wow, yeah. Wow, he's, he, he's a lot younger than oh, he, he you think wow. he is. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, but I think we all we all just kind of want them to move in a new direction, and that new direction is Chris Dunn. We're getting a taste of it, and as long as Dunn proves reliable, proves solid, again, for me, this is not a team that needs to make the playoffs to prove their worth this season. And so if he can say, if he can get on the court and say, you know what, in a couple years he's going to progress just a lot, right alongside the other guys on the team, then I don't think they'll have any problems moving on from Ricky Rubio. But here's the thing that I can't quite uh, put into context, Nick, is – their starting five is like really solid. They just locked up Jank uh, at power forward. So if they did look to move Rubio, where do you think that they would even try to improve? Because there's not necessarily too a, good a, already. A glaring need because again, this is not a team that's no, supposed to win right need, now. In a couple years, they need help off the bench. They need shooting. Uh, they could use some help on the wing. Shabazz hasn't been all that good. Um, I mean, it's tough to find an actual you know one for one type of trade, but I, I think they would be willing to accept you know, a, like a Courtney Lee type 
not that he would be the guy, but you know that type of player, kind of a three and D. Like that's that's the type of player I think they need that that can come off the bench. Well, that's tough then because, like I said, they're not competing this year. I, I mean, I'm going to go ahead and say that they're not competing. I, they this year. are though. Like, but you I don't, don't add a you don't add a Courtney Lee type until you're actually ready to compete. They think they are though, and you know, you and I maybe have slightly tempered expectations, but like they're going to be in the mix. Like I don't I don't think the organization necessarily thinks like we do. Yeah, I. I I get that, and they shouldn't, being at the beginning of the season like this. But I, I think that I, – I don't know. It's weird. I just think that ideally you're going to get a legitimate starter out of Ricky Rubio if you look to move him, and I just don't know who that would be or, or you know where they would put them in. Mm. But, I, I mean, we'll let, we'll let it play out over time. But, again, this injury is, is might be hinting at the future, and, and Dunn proved reliable last night. But, again, that was like, yeah. a, it was like a B-league team or a D-league team. B-League team does I don't know is what nothing. That means. I don't yeah, know as what a, I as I'm not aware of the B-League. Um, no, I, I, I think it, that is a good way to look at it. That, that was my first thought, too. As soon as I saw that injury news on Rubio, it was like, all right, uh, this kind of feels like a like a divine intervention by our good friend God who just wants to see Chris <laughs> Dunn take over the reins. Um, it's like, it's like if Ruby doesn't get hurt, like, you know, how much of Dunn do we see? And, like, this is really, this is really Dunn's chance to show – uh, you know what he can do and, and kind of prove that he can he can have this job uh, elsewhere in the NBA last night the Golden State Warriors blew out the Blazers this was the best that Golden State has looked overall uh, through any of their four games the, it, it, as has been the case in all four games really it was close uh, in the first half Blazers stuck around I think Lillard had 22 in the first half uh, he played really well no one else really did too much for Portland um, but Curry went off. I think he had 20-plus in the third quarter. Durant had a big first half, cooled off a little bit in the second. Uh, and Ian Clark, 22 points off the bench, 8 of 8 shooting, 3 of 3 from beyond the arc. Um, just kind of one of those games that only seems to happen to guys on the Warriors. Uh, but what I want to talk about from this is Green and Thompson. And Draymond, you know, we he did make a three in this game, which is nice considering how kind of shaky his his confidence had looked from beyond the arc. Nine assists, eight rebounds, three steals, two blocks. Incredible numbers across the board, but only six points. Um, I mean, is this the type of production scoring-wise that we're just going to see from Draymond this year? I mean, he just the volume shooting hasn't been there. He only took three shots in 30 minutes. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, something had to fall through here. And what it's going to be, it's going to be Draymond Green's point total. His rebounds, his assists, his, his blocks and his steals will certainly be there. Um, but he had trouble, and he still has trouble, knocking down open shots when they're given to him. And so, you know, even if he does see 10 shots, he, he needs quite a few more uh, to really, you know, rack up his point total. And he's not going to get that on this particular team. So we've been asking ourselves, we've been wondering, you know, what stat category is going to suffer this year with the addition of Kevin Durant? And right now, the only thing I'm seeing is that it's Draymond Green's point total. So I think that this is indicative of what you will see this season. Mm -hmm. I will say that Portland Trailblazers are kind of a team that foolishly thinks they could get into a shootout with the Warriors. And I think win. so too. They always seem to play like that. Yeah, they. I mean, they're good. I mean, they. It's weird. if you took the the Warriors out of the NBA right now, like Portland to me is right there. Like they're right there with the Clippers. They're they're a step behind San Antonio probably, but. 
um it's it's a shame that like they're kind of relegated to like fourth or fifth best team because they're they're so much fun to watch yeah they're a blast to watch and when you get into a shootout with the majority of teams in the league like 25 other teams they're gonna win yeah um but you just can't quite play that brand of basketball with the warriors because they're gonna define what it means to get in a shootout or to win a shootout it's kind of uncanny I, i watched a lot of the second half of this game last night like how much lillard plays like curry like this the way that he you know, just well, what I mean for one, obvious, the obvious thing is just pulling up from wherever. I mean, he had he had a couple of threes last night that were three, four feet behind the line. You know, the coming out coming off of a fast break, full speed stop, kind of lean into a three move. He's he's I mean, he has all the moves that Curry has. He's not quite as good of a passer. He doesn't put up the rebounding numbers and he doesn't have the teammates around him to kind of spread the ball around like Curry does. Um, but, but yeah, this, this was fun to watch those two go back and forth. Clay, O of seven from three. Uh, do you know what he is on the season now? Without looking, not good because I, I mean, he was not good coming into this game. Right. What so would that, you, what would you guess? I would say that he's like four of twenty-eight, three of twenty-eight. That was a pretty good Ooh. guess. Three of twenty-eight. That's, yeah, I know it's three wild. Of twenty-eight, but that's going to come around. And the, I mean, we, it is. But the crazy wow. thing is that those those three attempts are more wide open shots than he got last They're season. All, they all seem to be wide open. Somebody I mean, needs to. He needs to like his own teammates need to put a hand in his face right. or something. Yeah, I mean, he's going to keep shooting, and as he should, and that, that that's what's. That's what there still is to like about Clay Thompson. You know, I, I if there's like I would never panic about a guy like that no. who has who's been, you know, a great, great shooter in college, a great, great shooter through the first four or five years in the league. Like he's going to come around and uh, I think, you know, if anyone's trying to sell low on on uh, Clay Thompson, that's that's kind of a dumb move. Um what else do we have to talk about? The Bucks won. I don't want to talk about that too much, but they won. Jabari Parker scored over twenty points. Yeah, but they but they won over the Pelicans team that you've been vouching More like for. The Pelicans. Like yeah, I mean, are are you coming around? Because I'm. I don't want to talk about this too much because we spent a good deal on Monday talking about it. But are you coming around to my argument that? I don't, I don't want to talk about Anthony Davis. It doesn't matter. He what can go out there and put up so many points, but even against a team like the Bucks, it doesn't matter, man. No, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. Um, I mean, the, the Hornets or the Hornets. Wow. It, I'm sorry. The Pelicans uh, did get decent contributions from Solomon Hill. He had 18. Frazier, 20 and 9. He looks like a legitimate NBA point guard. Etwan Moore, 17 points. It really wasn't all Davis. This is the most contributions that they've really gotten from anyone else in that lineup. But when you're giving up 117 points to a Bucks team, that struggles to get to those kind of point totals. Uh, that was a real issue. Davis got to the line 18 times, 17 of 18 there, 35 and 15 uh, was the line for him. So, I mean, that was just probably his second worst game of the year, and he's putting up 35 and 15. <laughs> Another big game from Giannis, 24, 10 and 7, uh, with two blocks and a steal. Hit a big three in this game late. He was 0 of 5, uh, and then stepped into an open three with a little over a minute left to. Uh, to basically seal the game for Milwaukee. So encouraging stuff there. The Bucks are, are back to 500. Yeah, if they can stay there, then they can actually make the playoffs <laughs> in the East. Long season ahead, though. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, what do you want to get to next? Let's let's talk about free agents in some of these leagues that we're in. Okay. Um, for the most part, we're in some deeper leagues. If you're in a 10-team league or a 12-team league, which I think is probably going to be more traditional for everybody out there probably listening to this podcast, Um, But right now in that staff keeper league, very deep rosters in that league because we have reserves and and a pretty healthy active roster along with a a good sized bench. I'm looking at the top top producing waiver wire options. Let me name the top five. 
First of all, I know you're not going to be enthused about any of these guys, but try to pick one that you think moving forward this season has the most potential to add to your team, my team, anybody in our league. Uh, CJ Miles, Joe Harris, Tabo Cephalosha, Nick Young, or Amon Schumpert? Yikes. Yes. Uh, can I choose none? I'd... <laughs> my initial thought is Swaggy here, which he's a starter. He can at least help you in threes. Like that, He's the one guy that you say, all right, like there's one category where this guy can be like a legitimate big-time contributor. Uh, the rest of those guys are pretty uninspiring. Schumpert played well last night against Houston for Cleveland. But, I mean, he's been shaky. It's no secret that they've they've been kind of sniffing around looking to deal him. Uh, and I don't know if he's going to find himself, you know, if a trade were to happen in a better situation than he is in in Cleveland right now where his mistakes can kind of be smoothed over by the play of, of their big three. So, yeah, I, I think I got to go with Nick Young at this point. But, I mean, we do think later in the year he's not going to be starting, right? Yeah, I, I don't know why he would when, when you have Clarkson, when you have Ingram. Ideally, you're going to look to get those guys minutes. And the thing is that Nick Young, all that value is really coming from three-pointers and points. I mean, he's not going to help you out in assists, rebounds, uh, blocks, and maybe a little bit in steals. But for the most part, he's not. he doesn't have a lot of dimensions. I'm going to be looking more so out of that group. Obviously, it's a lackluster group at Joe Harris. He's only played limited minutes. His season high was 25 against Boston. But if you look at the four teams that he's played against, it's some solid defenses here. Chicago, Milwaukee, Indiana, and Boston. Um, Some good Eastern Conference defense. And again, he's only played a season high of, of 25 minutes. He's helping you out in the steals. He's getting you at least one per game. Very, very good defender in college at Virginia. Brooklyn has nothing nothing to lose by playing him minutes. He was in this Cavs organization for a couple years, and there was just no room for him to break through. But on this Brooklyn team, he could carve out a solid role in the rotation. And the thing is that he can help you across the board with rebounds, assists, and even blocks. Um, in his season-high game, he gave you two blocks in a game and three-pointers. He has a combined eight three-pointers over those first four games. And so he's somebody you have to look at, you know, who has the potential to see the most playing time at the end of the year when you're looking at your top waiver wire options. And then on top of that, who has the potential to help you out in the most categories? Obviously, name value, you're going to immediately say somebody like Nick Young, but there's two strikes against Nick Young in this particular case. One, he's probably not going to be starting by the end of the year. And two, he only helps you in like two categories. Right. Well, you also have to factor in if you're in a league that um, does Instagram as a category, Snapchat stories as a category. If you're in one of those leagues, you're going to Nick Young's probably owned, I should say, in any of those leagues. But if he's not, you're going to want to grab him there. Uh, Let's talk about our 20 team league. Uh, Super relatable stuff here. Uh, Everybody, everybody's in a 20 team staff league. But this here's was, yeah, sorry, sorry to interrupt, Nick. But I will say that it's a twenty-team league. But I've I purposely made the rosters very shallow, so it actually does resemble right. closer to a fourteen-team league. Believe it or not, uh, because we have five star, five positional starters and three utility players with only four bench players. So mm. that ends up being actually a shallower uh, pool of players that we're using than our staff keeper right. league, which is like twelve players, but mm. we have a massive roster. So this resembles closer to a fourteen-team league you look at the waiver wire options a lot of the same guys we just mentioned yeah um you know not to brag or anything but i am leading the league right now in the early going uh let's see team trainer nice creative name there is seven 17th out of 20 
Yeah, I, I butchered the 17. draft. I'm, I'm like so, so disappointed because for, for obvious reasons, I was easily the most excited about this. I created it. I was waiting for it. I wanted to be in a 20-team league where we could get as many people involved in the office as possible. I, 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 already, t- I already covered this on a couple of podcasts. You can go to it. It was like a textbook way how not to draft in an auction league. Um, I, I spent- think you threw the auction. I wish I would give myself that much credit to say I actually had like I had some kind of foresight into right. any plan. Basically, I used my entire budget on Ibaka and James Harden. I, I did not do much preparation for this, obviously. And what I just kind of thought um, with that, like if you had two players that complemented each other nicely uh, on a league with such small rosters and you'd be set up for, you know, quite a bit of success. I was dead wrong. There ended up being so much value in that auction to the point where my third best player is might be a lot of people's bench player uh, in Bogdanovich. Um, and quite frankly, I absolutely butchered, butchered, butchered this auction. I'm I'm super embarrassed. It's 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 <laughs> definitely it's definitely the worst worst uh, worst outing I've ever had in an auction. All right. Well, this is a good league to have that. Right. We're just playing for free mm-hmm. gift cards here. So, right. uh, you know, that's that's fair. But if you look at the waiver wire options, as I desperately need to do, um, a lot of the same guys I mentioned. So Nick Young, Schumpert, Harris still out there. Wade Baldwin is, is somebody that I'd, I'd like to hear your take on him, Nick. It looks like Memphis is going to rest Conley. They did before. Baldwin is really helping out with steals in a similar way that Chris Dunn is. I mean, long-term viability – I don't know that much because one, he's a rookie, and two, you have a veteran in Mike Conley that, as the season goes along, and Memphis might may or may not realize, oh my gosh, we need to get as many wins as possible because we're really on the cusp of making the playoffs here. Uh, maybe Baldwin actually sees more time in the beginning of the season than the second half of the season. But what do you think about him in terms of adding him to you know any depth of league? Yeah, I mean, I don't think you want to be grabbing him with the expectation that he's a you know a weekly starter for you, but. I think he's a great guy to have on your bench. I I think, if anything, he's going to play more as the season goes on just because this is a team that relies on a lot of veterans, a lot of guys who might get rest, a lot of guys who have histories of getting banged up. Um, and, and really, at the end of the day, I mean, Wade Baldwin might be, you know, he's more talented than a guy like Andrew Harrison. You know, he's kind of, he's probably more talented than James Ennis, uh, especially in the long run. Um, and you, you got to wonder how much they really can expect to get out of out of a guy like Vince Carter. So I, I think this Grizzlies backcourt, is a little bit shallow. If anything were to happen to, to Mike Conley, God forbid, Wade Baldwin's probably the guy. Uh, this is a guy with, I think he's a 6'11 and a half wingspan. I mean, he can defend two, two and a half positions. He can play off the ball. He can play on the ball. Uh, just a really good all-around player and a guy that I think come probably this time next year, there's going to be four or five teams that wish they would have taken him higher in the lottery. Yeah, that's fair. Somebody we should briefly talk about. Ian Clark had a great game uh, last night against Portland. Not expecting that from that from him at any point this season again. Are you? I'm sorry, who? Ian Clark. Oh no, I mean he's going to have his nights. Um, you know but, that's what happens with the Warriors. Is you know they, when you play on a team like this, you get open looks. There, you know, there's runouts. A lot of things factor into having a night like that. I mean, he's not going to go eight for eight with you know three for three from three again, but. I mean, there's going to be room and if we you know there still seems to be the expectation that there's going to be nights where maybe curry sits uh and you know in like a four games in five night scenario something like that um you know even if they're up big like we, this was that was part of the reason he was able to get to 22 points last night as this game was over by the third quarter there's going to be a lot of those as this season goes on so i mean he's a hard guy to trust just because he's like i mean he's in the rotation but you know he doesn't 
like comparing him to a guy like Joe Harris, who's like a legit piece of this Nets rotation because they don't really have anybody better. Like the Warriors have eight better options. Clark really only becomes very valuable when they're up by a ton or if there's an injury or rest. Yeah. And Sean Livingston is still, excuse me, on this team. And so, I mean, I I think that maybe over the long haul, Livingston. Put put that cigarette out. I know, man, I need to quit smoking. (laughs) I don't actually smoke, but I should definitely quit. For the record. Yeah. For the, for the record, I don't smoke mom. Um, so let's look at some players that traditionally, or not traditionally, but right now aren't really owned enough based on how they've been producing. And so I'll be using ESPN's ownership rates as guidelines, Nick, but traditionally you should know that ESPN's ownership rates are lower than sites like Yahoo. So if I throw out ESPN, just know that if you're looking at Yahoo, you're probably going to see a significant bit of difference. I don't know why that is, probably just because a lot of people sign on on ES, more so on ESPN and then don't actually follow up or so, something like that. Regardless, um, off the bat, you know, if you sort by the highest player rating so far this season and then you kind of look and wait to get get away from those 99% owned players, the first one I come down to is a 77% owned guy in George Hill for Utah. I'm a little bit surprised, Nick, that he'd even be, again, this is this is low, like I said, but that he's not up there in the 90% range because George Hill, I mean, is, is a solid point guard. And in terms of fantasy, he's always been very reliable. Yeah. I think he had a couple lackluster years over the last two seasons that maybe, you know, we lo- he lulled the fantasy community to sleep or something like that. But in Utah right now, uh, he's just, just as good as any other point guard in this league. Well, not yeah, I mean, every I point guard, far, but, but yeah. second, second tier away from your top scores and yeah. whatnot. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, he he was very. I mean, I think it's it's tough to measure defensive impact or just kind of overall, you know, what you mean to a team in fantasy. And I think you know, seeing him average twelve points, four you know, four rebounds, three and a half assists, and a steal last year, understandably caused some people to maybe back off. But I mean, he's been great in Utah. This looks like a great fit. He's a handsome guy, great bone structure. Uh, I mean, 20 and a half points, five assists. The rebounding totals are a bit down, but still way too early to really gauge anything from that. Uh, but it's just nice to see Utah with a real point guard. It's been a while. Yeah. Really mm-hmm. since Darren Williams. Yep. That- or I guess Shelvin Mack. <laughs> Where is Shelvin Mack, by the way? Uh, I think he's still Atlanta? in Utah. Is he? He still is in well, Utah? Well, he, he went from Atlanta to Utah, um, and I believe he's still in Utah. Yeah. He's a third he string point okay, guard. Great. That's great news. I was kind of worried that he was maybe out of the league, but the better excellent. question is where is Howell Neto who started for the jazz at the beginning of last season? Um, that's another great question. The next guy I want to look at here, um, who we talked about just a little bit, you, you mentioned him, Nick, Tim Frazier for new Orleans. I mean, again, if you're looking at that second tier point guards, he's right there just a notch below Hill. Uh, I mean, he's putting up, fantastic fantasy numbers the issue here is that he's done this in the past the problem is that he falls into the same category like ish smith is that other coaches and other gms and front offices just don't value him as much as the fantasy community does and so you know when you get tyreek evans back when you get drew holiday back he's gonna essentially fall so far uh you know to the end of a rotation and you think you know like why doesn't he just start somewhere but again, there's something that we're not seeing that's that's not indicative in his box score because his box scores have been great. I think I think he's he's so cheap, and that's been the case in the past. You know, he's basically been a 10-day, partially guaranteed guy, where, where you know it makes it so easy to part with him like that. I don't think teams there's not like some underlying problem with Tim Frazier where teams keep passing up on him. I think it's more just financial reasons. You know, it's like okay, well, we want to keep you around, but we can't keep paying you at basically minimum price. 
Um, but I mean, hopefully New Orleans is the spot. I mean, we don't really know how long this holiday situation is going to last. And even when it does, they're going to need somebody, uh, you know, behind Drew Holiday and Tyreek Evans can handle the ball. Each one more. If you're choosing between him and Frazier at this point, like I think it's probably Frazier. Uh, the thing is, Frazier's already 26, so I, I don't see, I don't think teams see him as this, you know, really high upside young guy who's you know breaking out of the D league. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, he was a great, great, great college player, um, and it is kind of puzzling that he hasn't been given more of a chance. I mean, didn't put up great numbers at the combine coming out of Penn State. Uh, you know, doesn't have great size. I think you know people just look, kind of look at him and say like, what does this guy do really well? Maybe nothing, but he does a lot of things, you know, at a, an average or a average or above average rate. All right, four more guys I want to want to hit on before we get out of here. Three of them are point guards, so let's let's keep it on. Uh, Patty Mills is about sixteen percent owned, but again, he's right up there statistically with some of your second tier point guards in the league. Now we've talked about Tony Parker has struggled this year, Nick. Do you think that the minutes are actually going to end up being skewed towards Mills at any point this season? I don't want to talk about whether or not he can take over the starting role because I don't care about that. I only care who sees more minutes. Patty Mills is proving a little more worth, I think, than Tony Parker so far this year. Tony Parker's been bad. There's no two ways about it. Um, He was quiet against the Jazz last night, uh, just took five shots in 33 minutes. Uh, Patty Mills, of course, got up eight shots in 15 minutes. Uh, I don't know. I think the role that Patty Mills plays off the bench as like the part-time point guard slash gunner is so, so perfect for him. And it's it's really hard for me to see him being very successful or as successful as he's been in San Antonio anywhere else. You know, he seems like one of those guys where if he were, if he were to ever sign away and like go play in Brooklyn for, you know, twice the money, he would just fall off the face of the earth. Um, you know, kind of similar to what we've seen from Bellinelli, who is so good in San Antonio and has just kind of been a non-factor everywhere else. Uh, but yeah, I mean, well, I think they're going to keep resting Parker quite a bit. I think the trust that the organization has in Parker and, and rightfully so is going to keep him in this number one spot. You know, they're not going to bench Tony Parker. Uh, but I think his minutes are going to be limited enough. I think his overall games played are going to be limited enough that there's going to be more value in Patty Mills than there's been probably in any time over the last few years. On to the next point guard, shooting guard, Matthew Dellavedova, 19% on ESPN. I mean, we expected his role to increase with this move to Milwaukee. Uh, this team needs three-point shooting. Do I think he's going to sustain his level of play? I think he could in Milwaukee. I think he's going to be a major piece for them moving forward. Like we kind of joked about it before, they're two and two. I mean, this team can make the playoffs. They, they can do it. And so he's an interesting person to consider if you need a little help at point guard, shooting guard. I kind of like everybody else that we've mentioned so far, and I am going to hit that quite i'm give you that question at the end moving forward who would you like most but before we do that i do want to present the last point guard and then i can i'll let you talk about delhi and tyler john no thank you okay yeah well, then we'll skip on tyler johnson miami big contract however he's playing essentially behind goran Dragic, behind Dion waiters um, but in the long run he's somebody that you could see starting by the end of the season especially if Drogic is on the move. A three-headed monster in Miami. (laughs) Yeah, three-headed monster. But, I mean, Johnson is somebody that Miami has put some uh, vested interest in, and so we're assuming at some point that he's going to be seeing considerably more minutes than he is right now. So uh, where do you view him in terms of fantasy? I like him quite a bit. I mean, this guy's only 24 years old, doesn't turn 25 until, you know, May, so playoff season. Um, I, I think, you know, we've discussed this Miami team as far as like, where are they going? You know, I think there's still a team that looks to build through free agency, probably more so than anything else. 
Um, so that's what makes it a little bit cloudy for me in the long term is, you know, if this team, whether it's this summer, or next summer is able to woo a couple big time free agents, obviously Tyler Johnson becomes less of a priority, but I think, you know, they're, I think they're open to moving Drogic for sure, which would, which would help a ton for Tyler Johnson. I think they're probably open to moving Whiteside at the right price. Um, but what did Johnson get 50 million this off season? Like that's yeah. a pretty, it's a lot for him, but it's pretty affordable in the grand scheme of things, you know, especially in light of some of the contracts that, that we continue to see, you know, with the deadline passing the other day. Um, you know, I, I think that's going to be kind of fair market value in the long term. And, you know, you, you talk about waiters and, and Drogic being ahead of him, but Johnson's playing 30 minutes off the bench when he's averaging 15, four and two, which is, you know, probably best case for him right now. And I don't think it's not sustainable. I mean, with this guy last year, when we, you know, when Miami had injuries in that backcourt and, you know, some of those injuries were to Tyler Johnson himself, when he was healthy and when the minutes were there, this is the kind of production that we saw. I do wonder once Josh Richardson gets back, you know, how much does that maybe eat into his minutes total? Yeah, I, I agree. I do think at the end of the season, he's going to be more productive, seeing more minutes than he is currently. And he's doing pretty good right now. So that, that says a lot about what I think of mm -hmm. him on the season on the long haul. Before we get to that last player I alluded to, Nick, uh, we've been talking about essentially all point guard eligible players. Um, let me remind you, we talked about Tyler Johnson. We talked about Matthew Della Vadova. I talked about Della Vadova, Patty Mills, George Hill, and Tim Frazier. Now, over the course of the season, I think I'm going to go with George Hill. And yep. obviously, that's kind of a cop-out. But he's going to have the most steady workload of minutes from now until the end of until the end of the season, let's throw them out. I, I think that's pretty obvious. Let's talk about these players that, you know, right now maybe they have ballooning minutes or at the end of the season we think they're going to have ballooning minutes. You know, when it's all said and done, Tim Frazier, Patty Mills, Matthew Della Vadova, and Tyler Johnson, if you had to invest in just one for your fantasy team, who would it be? Probably, hmm, Frazier was in that in that list Frazier, again, for now Frazier like if you cut if you cut this question off at the all-star break you know I think it's Frazier yes. for me easily but there is that little bit of long-term concern with Holiday coming back um I guess if we had to rank them I would go Frazier one probably Tyler Johnson two and then Delhi three but those two could be flopped like I, I don't think Delhi's gonna be all that good but he's I mean he, he was good last night you know he's good he's had those six seven eight assist games Sneaky, decent rebounder, going to give you a couple steals. And I think he's going to stay in this rotation. Like, they're, they're, he's not the type of player that, you know, you end up, ends up just kind of falling out of a rotation, especially in Milwaukee. I think he's the type of player that Jason Kidd wants on the floor. He's going to play defense. He's going to hit open threes. So, so I don't think the, you know, the minutes low is ever going to be a concern for him. But he's the least talented of the three, you know, and I think he's the least prone to having big games, you know, that can kind of swing something for you over the course of a week in fantasy. Yeah, that's a good point. I think out of those four players we're talking about, Delhi has the most consistent workload from now until the end of the season. Mm -hmm. So he's like, you know, a shadow yeah. of George Hill. But that said, there's no big breakout potential like we have with these other guys. So I, I too am going to say, Tim Frazier, I think now between when Drew Holiday comes back, he racks up more value for you than these other players will at the mm -hmm. end of the season. Somebody like Tyler Johnson, who could be seeing the same amount of minutes that Frazier is now, but again, at the second half or latter half of the season, I think Frazier is just a little more valuable um, when we're going to come back and retroactively look at this yep. season. Ten games on the slate tonight. Um, as typical, you know, there's some that are super boring. Shout out to the Pistons and the Nets. And there are some others that are extremely interesting, such as Bulls-Celtics. We get that. It's the early game on ESPN, uh, although that'll be going up against the World Series, so probably won't watch much of that. But 
hopefully this will work out right as the World Series ends. Thunder at Clippers. That's a 9.30 tip-off central time for us. That'll be on ESPN. Uh, did the Thunder take their first loss of the season tonight? Man, Thunder have back-to-back Clippers, Golden State. That's yeah, rough. That uh, is tough. Yeah, I think the Clippers lose – or the Clippers. The, the Thunder lose back-to-back games here, unfortunately. Real quick, that last player that I was talking about, Trevor Booker, not owned that much at all. Power forward. He's sure. about um, – Again, ESPN, 32% owned. He should be way higher than that. He's he's a guy who can rack up rebounds, even points, and blocks and steals for you and in a starter's role I mean, he's in Brooklyn. Just, yeah, he's starting. Like That's the main thing with Booker is like anybody who's starting and playing 25 to 30 minutes like, is pretty much ownable. You know, he's – I mean, he's – He's not. He's, what is he going to average like fourteen and eight? But like that's fine. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's basically what like Thaddeus Young had, had given the Nets. Um, but yeah, back to the Thunder. I think they're going to lose back to back games tonight. Unfortunately, I think they were very fortunate to come away from the first three games that they did with three wins. That's what they have to do yeah. to make the playoffs. Is they're going to have to take care of business against right. those middle tier teams. You should beat. And they're probably going to get you know kind of crushed by the uh, by the teams that are legitimately better than yeah. them because they're not very dynamic. I mean, they're no. they're back loaded. They're completely back loaded. And until Russell, until Oladipo find a way to legitimately incorporate that mm-hmm. front court one way or another, um, they're just going to be kind of mm-hmm. one dimensional in a similar way that the the Trailblazers are. Although I think the Trailblazers have figured things out a little bit more. I think the Thunder are essentially a year behind in figuring out how to incorporate a front court that's not nearly as skilled as the backcourt yeah uh yeah i think that's true it'll be interesting to see how they match up uh, against both of these teams because now you have this you have another you know dynamic defender in oladipo that you didn't necessarily have last year i mean westbrook it's up for debate whether or not he's a good defender but he is he's a dangerous defender i guess you know like i think if you're an opposing player like you don't you don't look and say like oh good I'm, i'm being guarded by russell westbrook today it's like yeah you might beat him on a couple back cuts you might beat him when he goes for a couple of ill-advised steals, but like you don't want that guy hounding you all night. Um, and then you know you still have Robertson too, who's a great perimeter defender. So nobody matches up well against Golden State, but I think the Thunder can at least present some some problems that that, that will prevent this from being you know a complete blowout. I mean, that's no. fair. <laughs> well, that's fair to say, but I mean, the Suns prevented it from being a complete blowout. Right. I mean, I, like all these different teams, the Pelicans, and I don't think those teams are are as good as the Thunder. So I think I think you know, there's not going to be a complete blowout because the Warriors just aren't firing on all cylinders. Yeah. Namely, Clay Thompson. Namely, Draymond Green. What I would, yeah, what I would be worried about. It's like it's almost bad for for OKC. You know, who's the who's the Warriors' next opponent on Thursday? It's almost bad for them that Thompson went. O of six, O of seven, last night because it's like all right, now like he just keeps delaying this breakout. Like it's, yeah. it feels like it's got to come eventually. And it's like well now we're next up and it might be it might come against us. So yeah, that's gonna be great. I mean Thursday night's gonna be a lot of fun. Uh, Celtics at Cavs. Yeah. Celtics come in on the second night of a back to back. Cavaliers. Cavs are four and zero and like they've they've kind of eased their way through all of these wins. Like I've, I've watched most of all four of their games and it like they look good. They just they know I think that they can put in like 85% effort and win. And then when they have to Kyrie and Jr. to start training everything at the end of games, you know what? They're, they're a little bit boring to watch, but that's because they're so efficient. They know exact, like every move they make is so calculated. They don't overexert themselves. They they stay very true. I mean, they just, they just know what they're doing. When we talk about experience teams with experience versus teams, not with that don't have any experience. I mean, the pinnacle right now is the Cavaliers. And when we talk about this team, to bring this out, to bring this around, Nick, and let's close it out again, talking about the Timberwolves, 
is that these Timberwolves players look like they're exerting themselves like quite a bit. They're, they're really hustling. They're trying hard. You look at the Cavaliers team, and they're making the moves they need to when they mm-hmm. need to. And that's the difference between you know a team like the Timberwolves and the, the Cavaliers. I think when you, when you stack up the first player for the Timberwolves and the last player against the Cavaliers – you know, next year you could arguably say that maybe, um, you know, if you add up all the value, Timberwolves actually have a lot more, um, uh, not potential, but just, you know, good players or, mm-hmm. or, or good guys on their team. The difference is experience, knowing what to do when you're on the court. Um, so, you know, when we talk about this Timberwolves team, look at the Cavs team, watch how they operate, compare that to the Timberwolves team. And that's why I'm not so high on them. And that's why nobody really should be too overly high on them until they just have reps. They just need more reps. They're going to be good, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just nice to see that like the Cavaliers started each of the last two regular seasons kind of like scrambling, trying, still trying to figure out how to use Kevin Love. Like They basically just picked up where they left off in the playoffs. The offense hasn't, hasn't dipped at all. And what it reminds me of is that the second year of the the big three with the Celtics. When, I mean, they were great the first year, won the title, came back, started the year something like 27-2, and two, uh, and, and were just rolling everybody. And the way that they did it, like they could win games scoring 90 points. You know, I'm, I'm looking at their schedule right now, and it's it's interesting just to go game by game. You know, they're, they're scoring 90 points, 79 points and winning games, 88 points and winning games, 120 points and winning games. And the Cavs are the same way. Like the Cavs can beat a team 94-91 uh, as they did last week, or they can play the Rockets and beat them 128 to 20. You know, like they can they can lock down on D and win that way if they want. They can score with anybody if they want, and I think that's what really makes them uh, so dangerous and and easily and obviously the best team in the Eastern Conference in the league right now. They're the best team, best in, team in the league, league right now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I still would go Golden State, but if we're talking on court production, then yeah, it's hard to go against Cleveland. That'll wrap it up for us. Uh, James and I will be back tomorrow. We're actually going to record that podcast later today. He's going to Arizona doing baseball things. Lucky dog. Yeah, I know, right? I was kind of trying to weasel my way into that into that trip, but I, have, I provide no value whatsoever to the company in the, in the baseball realm. <laughs> hey, where's the All-Star game? All-Star game got moved to New Orleans? Yeah. Maybe we'll take a trip down yeah, there, and then I, we'll, we'll, throw, we'll, we'll shove New Orleans in those guys' face. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.